All right, whoop, folks. Whoop, W-H-O-O-P. I think you know what I'm talking about. You've seen Rory wearing it. You may have seen me wearing it, and I'm pretty much into this wearable device. Wearable technology. Wearable. I like it. At first, I was like not sure if I was going to like having this thing on my wrist, but I'm into it mostly because of the incredible amount of information that it gives me about me and my life and how to perform better. Like I'm not going to ever be some amazing athlete, but I do like getting this feedback from my body. So basically it has inside of it, this crazy light that reads not only your heart rate, but all sorts of other things about your body, mostly the the time in between heartbeats, the heart rate variability, that's key. Um, anyway, it provides personalized insights on the performance of your sleep and how recovered your body is and how much stress you put on your body throughout the day from your workouts and the normal stressors of life. Big key takeaway, walking 18 holes, that's a workout, folks. No joke. Um, so anyway, when I get up, I look at my WHOOP score, I try to see how I slept last night. Uh, and I've tried to incorporate takeaways to get better sleep and, uh, especially when traveling and stuff like that, cause rest is really important and, uh, the quality of sleep is really key. So, you know, it, it has all these, you know, suggestions for getting better sleep. The biggest takeaway is consume a lot of water. Um, also I've started exercising more. This thing plugs in great to all of my exercise routines and I can see exactly where I'm at, at my, uh, max heart rate. Um, it's got a built-in feature with a strain coach that it gives you target exertion goals and workout to work out optimally for the level of intensity. Um, it basically is a personal assistant for your working out. Um, and folks, big deal for you guys. They're offering 15% if you use the code EAL at checkout. That's 15% off com and enter EAL at checkout to get your discount. Sleep better, recover faster, and train smarter. Optimize your performance with Whoop. Uh, it's got it's custom tailors to your body. It takes like a like a little bit of time to get to know you, and then it knows you, and it's fun because I've got a lot of friends that use it, and we talk about it. I'm like, yo, what was your sleep score last night, bro? And basically, it's how early did you go to bed and how early did you wake up and did you get distracted while sleeping? Um, it tracks all four stages of your sleep, slow, wave, REM, and light, and when you wake up, and it can tell you how much sleep you've actually gotten down to the minute. So it's like the first thing I do when I wake up is I just check it and I'm like, yo, what, how did we do last night? And I can tell, I can notice the difference now. And it's kind of like that awareness wasn't really there before using the whoop strap. Um, the whoop journal allows you to track the decisions that you make during the day and the impact that those have on your recovery. And basically guys, whoop can help anyone perform better, whether it's preparing for a golf match. Yo, yeah. Race meeting, etc. Whoop can help plan out your day and make smarter lifestyle decisions to help you feel better than ever. And I can say I have definitely improved in a lot of areas there, whether even now when I walk 18, like I feel better, you know what I mean? And I think part of that is you're just focusing on your body's performance. And this is the tool that gives you the insight to do that. So please go check it out. Support the people that support us. Whoop.com, W-H-O-O-P, enter code E-A-L at checkout to get 15% off. All right, folks, Precision Pro, one advantage that low-handicapped golfers have that has nothing to do with the mechanics of their swing, it's that they approach every shot with all the right information. The more informed you are, the better your decision-making process is before you even swang that club. I rely on Precision Pro rangefinders to give me the precise information as I make my way through 18 holes, sometimes 36, MJ. 
I've carried several of their rangefinders around the world with me, and they've all been easy to use, incredibly fast, and most importantly, it gives me the exact yardage so I can choose the right club. You know, you need those two things. It's a relationship, folks. You can't just hit the same club on every shot, and you can't just hit the same yardage. All golfers need a rangefinder that they can trust. And I'm telling you that my boys over there in Cincinnati, I trust them. And I'm just saying that the Precision Pro is a brand I trust. My listeners also receive $20 off any of their great rangefinders. Just use the promo code ERIC at checkout for an extra $20 off, E-R-I-K, to add to one of their award-winning rangefinders to your bag this summer. You can even put it in your pocket. I do that too. It actually is, a, it's got a magnet too and it goes onto your cart. But if you put it on the cart, you might forget it. I've done it, folks. Don't do it to yourself. Don't do your, don't play yourself like that. Best of all, Precision Pro Golf is the only rangefinder that offers free lifetime battery replacements. So not only are you getting a rangefinder, you're signing up for a lifetime service. It's a commitment. It is a lifetime commitment. You literally hand in hand with Precision Pro. Well, I'm not sure where that came from. Anyway, it's all part of the industry-leading customer service that Precision Pro Golf delivers to every customer. Booyah. Swing with confidence, hit more greens, and with use And I'm going to do that one more again. Swing with confidence, hit more greens with Precision Pro Golf. Later. Tailor-made, folks. I got to tell you, the first golf clubs that ever went in my little old hands were tailor-made burner oversize. They had some crusty old grips that I redid myself at risk of my own fingertips with the razor, and I and I got high because there's an, I don't know if you've ever re-gripped your clubs, but you 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 become an an inhalant addict because you're putting like really noxious stuff. Don't don't grip your own clubs unless you really want to. Anyway, mad respect. Give me a fist bump whenever I see you. I, I grip my own clubs. I put the grips on them myself. I saved. How much did you save? I mean, you could save money. You save money because I think you put them on. It's like twenty bucks each, and you and you buy the grips yourself. It's like eight bucks. By the way, re-gripping 14 clubs, I mean, you, that's like a lot. Go buy TaylorMades instead. They come with grips. My favorite TaylorMade edition now, obviously the Sim Max I'm playing, is a monster club. One of the many things Tiger Woods have and I in common is playing the Sim. But also, I really I kind of love the wedges. The raw-faced wedges, MG. I both love the high-toe in matte black. I also have a matte black shaft. I know you didn't ask, but I went ahead and told you. Anyway... TaylorMade, my favorite thing about TaylorMade beyond the incredibly performing equipment is the people that make this company up. The, the, band of, the band of brothers down here, the band of sisters, the family in Carlsbad really, really gets behind what we do, and that means it's important for you to get behind what they do. So go support TaylorMade, everybody, and hit them straight or just don't, just, just hit them with TaylorMades, though. Just get some, just stop messing around with all the others. Hit them straight with TaylorMade, but just hit TaylorMade at least. I mean, if you're not... I mean, just just go. I mean, what are you doing? Just pause the pod. Go on TaylorMade. What's their website? I don't even. They don't even need a website. Just go find TaylorMade ASAP. There should be what? What I play? I play the okay. Studio is asking me to play. I pay the P seven sixties, four through pitch. Then I've got the milled grind raw face fifty, fifty four, and fifty eight. And then I rock. I'm in between the Gapper and the Sim Hybrid right now. I play the two Gapper. Uh, I've got a steel shafted six and a half Project X in that one, as with all the irons. And then on the driver, I have the uh, Sim Max with a nine degree. I'm still working on getting my numbers on that. I don't really know. I got the ten and a half and the nine. We're gonna, gonna do a little experimentation. Maybe honestly, you know what? Whatever one I don't use, how about it's yours? How about that? We're gonna. I don't know how we're gonna manage this. Head over to the Instagram account. 
get ready for the old giveaway of the a driver that I can't hit. <laughs> anyway, TaylorMade's the family, folks. Take that mic stand off. Welcome to the Eric Anders Lang Show, everybody. We're doing a conversation with the gentleman from Whoop. Um, Welcome to the show. Can you guys tell me a little bit about, you know, what you do for Whoop and how your background fits into the uh, overall mission of this little strap on my wrist? I mean, yeah, sure. So, I mean, I've been at the company for about three and a half years now. Uh, Mike and I are both college athletes and, you know, the love of sport as well ultimately brings you to Whoop in the first place. And then, uh, you know, when I got there, we, we were really, you know, kind of just launching to a, to a consumer market. We spend most of our time working with, uh, you know, professional teams, organizations, and, and college programs was really the, the route we were heading. Um, and then as we launched to consumers, we learned a whole, a whole lot more. And, and so what I was doing for them initially was working as part of the, uh, part of the performance staff. So just really more than anything, trying to help people get the best out of Whoop, doing some account management, stuff like that with some of our college teams and ultimately spending a lot of time with our our data science and analytics teams learning more about you know, human physiology and how it plays into what we do as a product and, and where the science that we, is built around really uh, is rooted in. So that was the first few years. And now, um, you know, as we've gotten bigger and, and uh, you know, kind of transcended some of that business model and turned into more of a consumer facing product and working with individuals more and more often. Um, now I'm now working sports marketing. So that's all of our athlete relations and, and uh, ultimately trying to help feed our marketing team and, and the engine that we have there. And, and most importantly, you know, take care of the people that we work with and help them get the best out of the product as well. So taking the initial experience at Whoop as part of the performance staff and, and bringing that now to the, um, to the individual athletes we work with at different levels. And, and Mike, is that, did, how different is your input there? Mike's, Mike's so my, way smarter yeah. on performance than me. <laughs> my, my background is in performance. Uh, so, uh, played basketball, rode in, in high school, and then just decided to row in college. And then I actually, after post-college, started coaching rowing at the national team level. Uh, um, so I had a bunch of athletes for 2012 games, 2016 games. Um, and then I went to business school after that. And then through, you know, basically through CrossFit, uh, I met AJ and some other people at Whoop. I was introduced to Whoop. Um, so a lot of things that Whoop tracks, I was kind of doing on my own through uh, sort of, I don't want to say like hood rat methods, but, you know, SPO2 <laughs> monitors, urine color, mood, you know, basically a lot of subjective things with, with some objective things um, to, you know, change the training day to day. So it wasn't just, you know, this is periodized blocking is what we're doing. It's, it, it was fluid periodization basically. And then, um, yeah, I, I came in on the performance side and I worked very specifically with military teams pro teams, college teams. Um, and then over about a year and a half, I've, I've moved over to the marketing side where I still do performance work, but I also do the strategic partnerships. So AJ and I work pretty closely uh, in general. Um, I think then maybe a good question is how on earth, and you know, we could edit around this, but how on earth did you get Roy McElroy to wear a whoop strap? That seems like it's kind of a, it's kind of a complex thing to do. He's that, that is, I mean, he's a customer for, for first and foremost. I mean, the, the funniest part about he it. He like literally, you have his credit card info. <laughs> I don't, I do not, but uh, <laughs> somewhere, somewhere in the, in the whoop accounting system. Yes. He put in his own credit card information. That's awesome. Um, or somebody around him. I don't know how he actually purchased, but, um, 
what's interesting, so the Whoop is sport agnostic, right? So we, we work in a ton of different sports. We don't silo ourselves to one, which is, you know, both a blessing and a curse. You know, we can't go too far in and spend all of our time and effort and, and money, frankly, in, in one spot. Um, but that's allowed us to kind of reach other athletes outside of scope and see how interconnected some of these guys are. So, you know, back in, this would have been 2017 or so, Scott Stallings was really the first guy to take a liking to whoop on the PGA tour. He, um, he ultimately, he was in the CrossFit world. He was going through his own kind of physical transformation um, and really dialing every, every bit of, you know, I think performance information he could get his hands on. He was, he was looking for and dialing that all in. So he found whoop really bought into what we were doing. Uh, we helped him and his, and his, his staff of groups, guys, all the faces around him really get to know what Whoop does and how to interpret some of that data. And he's been a huge advocate around the tour. I mean, all of the guys he plays closely with and, you know, I'm not positive how Rory actually got in touch, but I think, you know, at one point or another, him and Scott had a conversation on a putting green. Um, and a few months later, in comes, you know, him and, and another guy named Nick Catterall, who we work pretty closely with, was was also there. And then, uh, you know, one day in August, watching Liberty National, I think our entire company had a holy crap, he's wearing whoop moment. Um, and, yeah, he goes out and wins that one next week. Justin Thomas is wearing it, and he wins a tournament. And then, you know, Rory wins at Eastlake. And now it's, you know, the last 25 tournaments, it's like 18 guys have been wearing whoop straps. And uh... – it, it it really is an incredible um, story there because you you know you're you're faced with a problem that a lot of companies are faced with when they have a new thing to tell you about, which is um, you know how do we let you know what this is, and then how do we know how do we let you know relatively what this is, and and I'll give you an example is today uh, Monday I went I was playing golf at one of the only places in Cali where you can play golf. And I ran into these three 15 year old kids and they said, ah, oh, it's EAL. You going to, you want to play, you, you want to, uh, you want to go do ACE cam with us? And I was like, oh, okay, cool. They know what's up. Yeah, we'll go do, we'll go, we'll go play some golf. And they were like, great. And then like 10 or 15 minutes into the hang, they were like, so you wear that whoop strap. And I was like, no way. I was like, how do you know? How do you know one, what the whoop strap is? You're 15. And he said, well, you know, Rory wears it and, uh, you know, and then we've seen you wear it. And I was like, first of all, I, I felt like, whoa, I have, I have more responsibility than I thought I did as a, as a person who can, you know, you know, levy impression upon young adults. And then the second thing was, is I was like, yeah, the whoop strap is actually pretty cool because it's, it's all about self-awareness and, you know, I, I just I just think it's really interesting. What do you got? Do you have like a mission statement over there? Something very pithy that kind of. Yeah, uh, you know, Will, our CEO, has always said and, uh, our whoop is on a mission to unlock human performance, whether that's in sport, whether that's in, you know, your day to day job as a, you know, as, a, as an executive or just as a person, you know, in the, in the industrial world who's you know, trying to structure more. You know, make better decisions on on who should go out and drive the truck you know 1800 miles today or something along those lines there's every single person has an inner potential that they are trying to reach in some way or another and you know we we firmly believe that whoop can be one of the things that helps them get there that was very well said it's kind of this is kind of a punk rock podcast here i uh i feel like i owe michael an apology because i had a bit of an outburst 
before you got on the phone, I thought that Zoom meeting was canceled, and I was just like, I can't handle another Zoom meeting being canceled. <laughs> um, no, I appreciated it. It was real. Oh, you did? Uh, very, very raw and real feeling. I was going to say, we've all felt office. at least once a day. I mean, I, to, to reiterate, like, I couldn't get the Zoom meeting started, and then my car is getting washed because it was, it, I hit somehow 10,000 bugs going to shoot the other day. And the car wash is closed, and I don't want the bugs to damage the paint. So I have someone come to the house to wash the car. They're supposed to be here in three hours. They showed up early. Dog started barking. Look at this little guy. I mean, he was he was ready. <laughs> and then I thought we were finally on the call, and then I thought it got canceled. So I apologize. Um, hey, we're pretty unedited ourselves, so no 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 sweat. It, that's uh, I guess you know really one of the reasons why I, I wanted to have a call with you guys is because I have a lot of questions after using this now for just under three months. Um, I have found myself with more questions, which is always for me, the sign of something that is interesting, useful, um, you know, ha has some weight to it, even though it's actually very light. Um, I, I really, I really, um, found myself basically getting to a place where, okay, I can use the strap. I can see how well or how much I've exercised throughout the day. And I can also see what the quality of my sleep is. And sometimes I was surprised to see that even without a lot of sleep duration, my quality and recovery score could be quite high. Something happened about two or three weeks ago where my sleep scores just started like going down yellow, red, 25, 52, very low. And that really, you know, set me into a bit of a, okay, how do I fix this? And so I looked into heart rate variability because I realized that this is the key number that I need to know. Can you explain a little bit of where heart rate variability came from, what it is and why it's meaningful from a, you know, strain and recovery standpoint? You, you want me to take that one, AJ? Yeah, Mike, this is this is your camp for sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, so heart rate variability, um, you know, has been an increasing trend in, uh, let's just say, performance as, you know, people trying to quantify how ready a person's body is. And HRV, if you were to only take one metric, is probably the, the most accurate. Um, you know, our combination of HRV with sleep and resting heart rate uh, is better than all, or than, than one by itself. But uh, heart rate variability uh, is largely individual, and you have to look at it measuring against. So, uh, Evan, I'm not sure what your what your average HRV is. Um, do you, you can share or not share? But My, I'm at. Uh, it's like it's like mid to low 50. Sometimes it gets up to 60, and but usually it's. It's uh, low, low 50s. I'm also 39. Yeah, see, perfect example, right? Um, so like a great day for you is 60. A great day for me is like 150. And I hang around in the like 80 to 90, right? And, uh, but for some people, there's their greatest 200. For some people, their greatest 35. Um, it's all relative to your own baseline. So what heart rate variability is telling you is how receptive your heart is to both branches of the autonomic nervous system, which is the sympathetic and parasympathetic branches. So sympathetic is speeding your body up. Parasympathetic is slowing your body back down. 
Now with a higher heart rate variability, what that's saying is that your heart is more receptive to receiving those competing signals from both uh, branches and you're effectively more ready to take on anything that's gonna kind of come your way. So that's, that's really what heart rate variability is at the most basic level, is your ability to adapt and take in any external stimulus. And so I have uh, the um, human condition of compare. I want to compare, how is it 150? What are you doing? What, how do I get there? So things are largely genetic, right? So here's an interesting one. So I was, uh, there's an old Whoop video I did prior to working uh, at the company where uh, I did like a Spartan race. And this might be like the only recorded 100% recovery in Whoop history. Uh, and my heart rate variability was like 55. And over time with just sort of lifestyle changes, you know, really honing in on what's the right sleep wake timing for you? Like understanding your chronotype, understanding the type of nutritional, you know, patterns that work for you. When should I stop eating? Uh, like a perfect example is uh, at once I was working at, Whoop, I was, you know, I, I do work out a lot, but at lunch I was really loading like a ton of protein in, you know, let's say I went to like any place. I was like, yeah, give me double, double everything. And I was just feeling awful. And I said, all right, let me try something else. Let me go double veggie or, you know, double vegetable as opposed to the protein. My energy level spiked. I saw, you know, my next day HRV was much better because I was better fueled throughout the day. So it's, it's not just necessarily like, what are we doing like bedtime behaviors? Uh, it's doing these like little micro experiments on yourself in terms of how much water should I have? You know, I tried one where I tried to drink my entire body weight in ounces of water for two weeks. Not possible. Um, I did it for like two days. I was like, this is the worst idea I've ever had. But even maintaining, I was like, all right, even if I get like 60 to 70%, which is still crazy, um, my HRV just, it, it's an immediate spike. Um, you know, you timing know, of Drinking problems. a lot of water. So, sorry to interrupt. Dr yeah. Drinking a lot of water increased your HRV. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So these are things that are, that are positive. And I talk about this. This is a one that I, I don't throw out on the Whoop podcast, but uh, the like alcohol doesn't always necessarily have to be bad, especially this is, you know, people are drinking a lot in quarantine. Like I found that drinking between like two to three glasses of red wine actually shoots my HRV way up. Whereas <laughs> if I have like one, if I have like one beer, uh, I will be in the red. It's an absolute guarantee. It doesn't matter how far out. So it's understanding like what your body can metabolize and, and how that's going to affect your, your system. Um, and that's where you're saying, Hey, how do I get to 150? I don't know. That's probably, it's probably not ever going to happen, but I shifted my baseline from 55 as at the peak to my average now being like 90. Uh, so you can absolutely do things as you get older. It's harder to shift up, uh, but it's largely genetic. Uh, and that's why it doesn't have to be like, Hey, you're comparing your heart variability, heart variability to mine. It's just like, okay, I know what a good day is for me. I know what a bad day is. I'm just trying to move that sliding scale up a little bit with with behavioral changes dude i am so like all into this stuff because you know for me i'm the things i am fascinated in with uh, fascinated with are like like golf is something i'm really fascinated with which is you know you have this you know one purpose which is to get the ball in the hole in the fewest strokes possible and to i believe enjoy your time playing the game um Within that, there's so many different experiments and tests that you can do on yourself. You can go to the driving range and you can say, well, you know, I'm going to try this today. 
you can go on the putting green and say, you know, I've, I heard this tip. And the whoop strap is kind of like that, but it, the game is get your heart healthier. Um, and I've been, once I clicked into HRV and what I could find are the 12 sort of components that, that create variability within heart rate variability, I started to look at, I'm a, I'm a former cyclist, so I used to race mountain bikes when I was in my, uh, you know, early, late teens, early 20s, and I would go all in, you know what I mean? And we had back then heart rate monitors that were $300, and I mean, they were like, you would wear it around your chest, and I don't even remember how it worked, but I remember it was all about, um, back then, it was like interval training, and you know, I, I then now am 39 and I'm on this new stationary bike in my house and I'm like, cool, 100, I'm, I'm at, I'm at 98% um, heart rate. I'm at 99% heart rate. That's, that's, that's great. I feel good. But then I was noticing that my HRV was going down and then I was like, well, mate, am I working out too hard? Am I, am I, so it's, so what you're talking about, Michael, is really interesting with the micro experiments that we can do to try to, I guess, you know, adjust this, I guess, relatively new number that's available to consumers and, and sort of see where, where we're at. I mean, it seems like this is like next level whooping. Like the first level is just like get, figure out. First level is definitely sleep. It's like get more, get more sleep. Then it's understand the yeah. quality of your sleep. And then it's, okay, how do I shift the things during the day to sort of maintain this uh, higher performance if possible? So you're talking about why is my HRV going down with my training? Um, something you also have to understand is your own physiology. So there's a scale of power and endurance. And every athlete is somewhere on the, on the spectrum where you're naturally better at one than the other. And if you're more of a powerful athlete, you're going to look more to interval training. If you're more of an endurance athlete, you're going to look for that long, slow distance type of thing when you're fatigued. So it's kind of understanding like, hey, if I'm like a little bit in the tank, what actually is a recovery day for me versus what, what's on the calendar and being able to shift your training to meet that need. Um, like, so I know that when I need like a bump back up, I should do some long, slow distance because I'm more on the endurance side. Uh, like, so my, my recovery this week was trending down. I did like a 30 minute, um, you know, moderate intensity to building a bike and I'm back in the green today. And that was the only thing I did. So it's, it's understanding those triggers for you that, that might just kind of bounce you back up. That's so interesting. That's definitely, that's, that's kind of, for me, the, uh, the Harry Potter of it all, you know what I mean? The like, Oh, this is like, you know, you got to find this for yourself. It's different for everybody. Um, oh, sure. I, I wonder if, um, you know, when when I was looking at it all, I was thinking about, um, I mean, it's just tough. I guess, I guess there really is no sort of one size fits all for this thing. That's probably a, a, a relatively complex part of the WHOOP mission is that you don't, it's not one size fits all. No, a hundred percent. And I think that's, that's, you know, ultimately what makes it such a valuable product. You know, we're not taking something and, and, you know, making a uniform across a number of different people, you know, that, that doesn't give you the type of insight that you really need. When you think about, um, 
you know, all of the little things that go into such a sensitive metric, you know, talking about Mike, you know, literally getting into everything about you know, the spectrum that you live on between you know, being an endurance athlete versus being a power athlete, talking about what goes into your body, you know, in the form of nutrition and hydration, uh, different sleep supplements, different, any type of supplements, protein, whatever it might be, all of those different things have an impact on the way that you respond every single day. And what we do is we basically take that, put it through the lens of heart rate variability and overall recovery and, you know, make it super personal. And that's what allows you to you know, figure out the behaviors that are good and bad for you, right? It wouldn't be impactful at all if, you know, we basically just said, hey, you know, okay, your HRV is 75. It's, you know, it's going to go up. And if, you know, it gets to 100, great, nice job, right? It's, if we put it on a scale that was uniform to everybody and didn't allow for it to learn you specifically and individualize, we wouldn't be able to make any, we wouldn't be able to help you make behavioral change. We wouldn't be able to provide actionable, actionable data. And when you talk about, when you think about wearable products, the most important thing isn't to, you know, give you a look, you know, backward at what you've always, you know, what you've done um, and tell you like, hey, here's a pat on the back. You got your 10,000 steps in. What we're trying to do is give you information that ultimately is good for you to look at and say, okay, I know, I know I need to do X, Y, and Z in order to be better tomorrow, right? Or, you know, I know I have a heavy training day on Thursday the perfect recipe for me on Wednesday, um, you know, is eight hour, eight full hours of sleep, way too much water, a ton, a ton of, you know, in Mike's case, less protein, more plants, right? All those different things. If you can craft your perfect recipe and show up 95% because you know exactly what works for you, then we've done something to improve the way that you live and improve the way that you train and improve the way that you perform every single day. That's really what, you know, why it's super personal. And yes, it is hard to explain. And, you know, we onboard tons of athletes, um, and the first thing we always say to them is like, at least something that I always tell people is like in the early goings, you're going to have fewer questions. You're going to be trying to connect it to Bluetooth. You're going to have fewer questions that are less complex. You know, what's heart rate variability six months from now, you're going to have so many questions that are way more complex than you ever thought you'd be getting into. Um, you know, okay. So, you know, I see, I get, you know, 48 minutes of slow wave sleep in the first 90 minutes of my actual night. Why is that? Right. You start getting into all these different things. And then, you know, like what are the stages between, you know, slow wave and REM, all these different things people start to come up with because they're fine tuning their process because they have that personal information. So yes, there's a learning curve to it, but ultimately I think we've done, we can do a lot of good in terms of helping people find those things. Right. It's, uh, it really is interesting how you start off with fewer questions and then you go dig deep and you're like, wait a minute, this book has millions of pages because we're writing it all. I think um, one of the things that I found really interesting was, and I can only really speak from my own experience as a, you know, I've been using it for a little under three months now and I'm fascinated. I love it. Um, you know, I, I was pretty surprised to see the impact that not even technically meditation, but um, just, you know, so there's like a video on how Navy SEALs can go to sleep anywhere in like two minutes. They have this thing that they do. They, it's it's crazy if you haven't seen it. They, they like imagine that there's a lead blanket over their body. They do a, a special breathing technique that's basically meditation. So I, I started doing it and that, that was a, I think a, a pretty serious factor in heart rate variability increasing. W why? Why? I don't understand. That's just me breathing. Yeah. Uh, you know, what, what you find is, let's just use the current circumstance, but every day, I mean, people in the world are always kind of going a, a million miles a minute. Most people are living in a sympathetic, like an oversaturated sympathetic state. So anything you can do uh, to 
get to more of a parasympathetic state. So like meditation or breathing and, and finding the right breathing protocol that works for you um, is really invaluable. And not just doing it necessarily before bed, but it could be times during the day. So our VP of performance actually tested this where she was doing this sort of breathing three, four times a day. And then she stopped doing it for two weeks and her HRV and metrics were terrible. No way. The, the absence of this sort of mindfulness and, and um, you know, breathing practice. So there's absolutely something to it. And again, it's finding the right breathing practice that works for you. Yeah, that's, that's really true. You know, you think about like, I think there's a, a totally like a, a de-stress mechanism to meditation. You know, I think a lot of people figure out how to manage some of the, the thoughts that are flying through their head all the time. You know, you said it, people are going a hundred miles an hour every single day, whether they're you know, stuck in an overdrive where they're overworking themselves because, um, you know, the training component of the whole thing is what is their de-stress mechanism. When you can find something that allows you to shift between, you know, being in the over, you know, in your sympathetic nervous system, which is driving your body as hard as possible um, and get you back down into, you know, a more balanced state, that's going to spike your HRV up because that's really what, you know, HRV is showing you the balance between your two nervous systems and your body's ability to shift back and forth and adapt. So if you guys, if you wouldn't mind, I would love to just, you know, I, I would love to just go through, uh, I got to put the mic on the thing here. So yeah, this, this, I don't really understand what I, I just, for the people out there that are like, what is that thing? I want, I want to explain what is this? And the truth is I kind of want to know too, what, why, why are there lights flashing into my arm and, uh, what? How does that work? Um, so like, I mean, the technology that's actually being used there, right? There are, there are multiple LED sensors in there, um, you know, that track a, a few metrics, you know, hundreds of times a second, right? That's heart rate. So we're always looking at heart rate. Uh, we're always looking at HRV. We're always looking at, you know, your motion through an accelerometer and, um, and a gyroscope that's in there as well. And then the, the last piece is a capacitive touch sensor. So as you took it off your wrist right there, um, the lights went out and you know that basically allows us to detect whether it's on or off your wrist and then give us the confidence in, in how accurate that heart rate is so those leds were you know they're using a technology called photoplethysmography which allows us to basically take a light reflection off of your bloodstream um and then you know receive that reflection and turn it into drive heart rate right and because we can do that so frequently um that's how we can you know look at hrv so wait sorry numbers, wait, sorry to interrupt you say frequently we're not talking like once a minute we're talking hundreds of times per second yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> um it's pretty cool uh, and i think that the main the, yeah the biggest piece of that is because of our sample rate because of the amount of things we can look at um it allows us to be really really accurate and sensitive to different heart rate spikes intentionally um okay so then you guys have probably had a lot of let me just get this back on here want to know where we're at um you guys have probably had a lot of um moments working with whoop can can you individually michael can you tell me like what was your first aha moment where you were like oh this is not just a, th a fad that's going to go in and out this is going to be a game changer for professionals for amateurs for old young whoever um so it, I can tell you personally, uh, I think 
with I was younger, so maybe I was 28 or so when I first got Whoop, and uh, you know I was just going to work out, right? I was definitely going to work out. I said, oh, I'm doing back squats today. It's, I, I really want to keep building, you know, something I was working on, and my recovery was like 22%. I remember it specifically. I was like, yeah, whatever. That's bullshit. Uh, I can go do this. I feel good mentally, I, physically. I feel good. And then I went and I completely tweaked my back and had to like take a week off of training. And that's when I was like, okay, you know, there's definitely something to HRV and this recovery score that just because you mentally feel good uh, doesn't mean that your body is ready to perform at a high level and vice versa, where there have been days when, you know, I feel a little bit groggy and it's like, yeah, you know, my recovery score is pretty good. It's like, you just kind of got to break through that mental barrier and then you go and you have an outstanding day and the amount of times that that's happened since uh is remarkable where you feel a little groggy you 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 know what your body's capable of from the data you just have to get yourself into a place to do that uh and that's that's really the secret sauce is and and will said this i think it's like the intro to the podcast that you know there's there's secrets your body's trying to tell you that but there was no way to get in touch with it and the recovery score and being able to really look at the quality of your sleep and being like, why is this happening? Um, you know, like that's the first thing I look at. I actually don't even look at my recovery score. I immediately just go to my sleep and I'm like, how much REM sleep did I get? How much slow wave sleep did I get as a percentage of, of my total? And I'm like, okay. And then I try and guess based off of how hard I've been working you know, the sleep efficiency and the quality of the sleep. And I'm, I'm usually within about 5% uh, of knowing where my metrics are going to be. But going back to the original, once, <laughs> once you don't trust the data and it embarrasses you, that's when you know that there's really something special to this. That's so interesting. I have also tried to wake up and just guess where I'm at. And I am almost always totally wrong. I do not know. Like I and and that's actually that I find that actually very frustrating and annoying. It's actually I don't like that part because it makes me feel like I really am not master of my domain and I'm merely like a I'm a tiny ant inside of a giant 747 and I'm like I don't know what all these buttons do. Um and and that's why I get onto heart rate variability so much is because it seems like that's the only kind of correlation I can find is higher heart rate variability higher number of recovery score but i guess i should look more at the um you know the stages of sleep which are also very fascinating but i'm not there yet. i'm only in my first trimester so <laughs> so everything yeah. drives it right everything drives your heart rate variability so i because i've been doing this for so long and looking at data for so many people and myself uh you just start to notice trends where um you know things i used to do for for teams is you know, basically a weekend review of their sleep performance. So you start at the most basic and we, you know, we, we set goals for them and you start to see, okay, the people that are hitting, you know, 85% sleep performance consistently or higher, the people that are getting 45% plus in the combination of REM and slow wave sleep, those are the people that are, you know, have a lower strain for the most part because of the higher recovery, right? It's, it's not directly uh, relational, but you know, if we were to do the same output, this is another point of recovery. If we were to do the exact same, let's say five mile run, exact same speed, and 
one day you have a red recovery, one day you have a yellow recovery, one day you have a green recovery, exact same output. The strains are gonna be significantly different. And that's just, again, recovery, if you're thinking of it as not necessarily a, a traffic light, it's more of a measure of efficiency of your body. Right. So it's not that you, like my wife ran the New York Marathon with a 30% recovery and, you know, what? did pretty well. Um, she's also an Olympian, so that like she's she's way she's way tougher and fitter than I am. What's up, friends? What's up? What's up, compadres? All right, folks. Jones Golf Bags, my friends over at Jones Bags and Grayson Clothiers have come together to bring you something really cool and very exciting. And it's not ice cubes, folks. It's over the next few weeks they will be uh, doing an Instagram contest where the winner will get a cool. A lot of cool references, folks. Clearly, it's cold up in the Pacific Northwest. I know Grayson is based in Detroit, otherwise known as Detroit. Charlie, great guy. These are all good people. $200 gift card is a winner going to get from the each company. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm struggling. As well as a FaceTime lesson. This is pretty chill. With none other than the former number one golfer in the world, Luke Donald, folks. Luke is a huge fan of both Jones and Grayson Clothiers and would love nothing more than to help you improve your golf game from the comfort of his own home, your own home. I guess you'll both be at home. You're not going to his house, I'll tell you that. I mean, I know maybe you could slide into Luke Donald's DMs, but I don't I don't I don't know if you could actually. If you slide into Luke Donald's DMs and he responds to you, text me a screenshot. Okay, I'm sure we could all use an extra golf lesson at this time. That is very true. I it was all over the place this morning. It was like scrambled eggs without a pan. Uh, all, you, <laughs> all you have to do to enter is post a picture or a video of your quarantine golf, and whether that's at home or your now open golf course, hashtag quarantine golf. You, do you know how to spell that? I'm going to try right now. Q-U-A-R-A-N-T-I-N-E-G-O-L-F. Quarantine golf, hashtag quarantine golf. And be sure to tag both Jones Sports Co., Jones underscore sports underscore co and Grayson Clothiers in the post. That's at Jones underscore sports underscore. I cannot underscore co and at Grayson Clothiers, G-R-E-Y-S-O-N Clothiers. Be sure to use your Jones and Grayson gear if you got it. Yo, if you got it, use it if you got it. I was going to say smoke them if you got them, but obviously I didn't say that. Keep your eyes and ears peeled. Winter will be announced May 25th. Get involved. I will say one of my favorite raincoats on planet Earth is the Jones Grayson Anorak, my friends. It's it's hooded. It's smart. It fits, and I feel like I feel like Michael Jordan in The Last Dance, but that's a little... I don't know if that's a compliment to myself. The truth is I haven't even seen it. I'm going to watch it tonight. Anyway, get involved. All right, I'm going to catch me now. We got let give me a second, all right? I'm about to do an ad read for Vice Golf. I don't even have a read, so this is a this is an ad lib. This is an ad libbed lib read. Anyway, Vice Golf, you all know I love the brand. Uh they make a great golf ball, and there are things that I would tell you in person about the golf ball that I can't tell you in a public forum. But basically the golf ball is amazing. Technically speaking, on test it performs as good or better than what we call quote the best golf ball on tour now the vice golf ball also has one cool thing which is that it's cool obviously the scripting is really sweet but beyond that as another cool thing i'm going to keep pulling cool things out of this ball the second cool thing is that you can't get it in a pro shop so go online go to vicegolf.com and get your slick balls they've got all different types they've got the tour they've got the drive they've got the pro they've got the pro plus they've got different colors and you can also personalize 
less than uh, you can personalize. I don't know what number you can personalize, but you can personalize them. Whereas other brands don't let you personalize them except for once a year. So check out vicegolf.com. Get yourself some smooth and cool balls for the course that is. Anyway, y'all, see you in the showers until the next ad read. All right, folks, Adidas. Adidas is pushing the boundaries once again in golf footwear. And if you've been counting, I don't. I haven't been counting. It's a lot of times. But they're doing it again, so whatever many times it's been, it's at one. Uh, so you need to check this out. It's called the Code Chaos, all capitals. The footwear team let me know that this shoe was meant to break down traditional stereotypes and make a statement that there doesn't have to be one look for the sport when it comes to golf footwear. It's authentic, It's athletic and bold from a style standpoint, but this shoe is seriously packed with technology. It's spikeless, but beyond just being tested with guys like DJ and Xander, they did heat map studies. Heat map. That means they know where you are right now. They literally know. And watch, I'm telling you, you're going to get an ad for Adidas footwear in your feed. I'm telling you, and I just, it's not me. I don't know if it's them. It's probably Xander, not DJ. Xander's got an X in his name, so he's a little more sinister. Even though I would not, I would probably feel more likely that DJ would really he could he could do some damage with the club um, to my face. So to see how players shift their weight, they use this heat mapping technology to, to see where they, they shift their weight, but also where you are physically at this current moment uh, throughout the swing. So anyway, with all that info, they created a new traction system called Twist Grip. Twist Grip. That's spelled the way it sounds. Anyway, so the players get the grip they need exactly where they need it, and this is an ad lib, and when they need it. That's I just added that. Uh, it's waterproof. Waterproof is key. Let's get let's get honest, folks. If you want a waterproof shoe, unless you live in the desert, you can wear sandals or moccasins. But for everybody else, you need the waterproof shoe. So hit up the code chaos. It's waterproof, lightweight, and obviously has the boost cushioning, which we all love. There's even a high top boa version, which I'm not sure I'm man enough to rock, but John Rahm is. But he's also He's very, very good at golf. We can all agree. These things are next level, so get yourself a pair. Head over to adidas.com slash code chaos. Spelled the way it sounds. Although the C-H in chaos is sounds more like a K. So it's C-O-D-E-C-H-A-O-S. And shop the styles and follow Adidas Golf on Instagram and Twitter for all the latest news from Le Trois Stripes. That's three stripes, folks. Hey, Sklar Brothers here, Randy and Jason, and we have a couple of podcasts. If you you know them or you don't know them, check them out. We do View from the Cheap Seats, which is sports and comedy, and we have a podcast called Dumb People Town where we break down stupid behavior done by stupid people in this stupid world of ours. It is hilarious. Check them both out. And now, check out this podcast. How excited are you for the Tiger, Phil, Peyton, Brady? But me? I want to know where they're going to play it. I was asking AJ, but you oh, can go, you can hop in here too. I'm not terribly motivated. You probably want real golf to come back, right? Um, what do I want? Yeah, I would like to. I would like to. Uh, I actually would like to see a tournament with no fans. I, that would be such an unusual opportunity. Seems like it's, it's coming, of, right? Yeah. PGA Tour is kind of leading the charge on bringing back live sports. I mean, it's definitely the sport that's most capable of doing so, mm-hmm. um, given that, you know, you, you kind of can stay six to 10 feet away from everybody at once. You know, in general, golf swing has its own kind of range of, of you know, distance you need to stay away from. Um, it'll be interesting. I mean, I wonder.
is uh, really what I'm trying to figure out. Right. Like as, as an athlete, you know, you definitely feed off of having a crowd there. You definitely feel like the competition comes in a little bit more. You definitely have like a, you definitely have something, you know, your body's working harder. You're more focused. You're more locked in. And I think, you know, anybody who's played a sport like that can, can feel that. And I also wonder what it'll do and, you know, like how it'll show up in, in terms of a whoop strain score. You know, like we already see a difference with guys, you know, if you're in 35th going into Saturday, your, your Saturday, Sunday strain scores are, you know, they're relatively low, but if you're in, you know, the top 10, those things are way higher. They look like you just did, you know, you played an NFL game. Like it's, it's insane how much higher it is because your body has to focus so much harder for so much longer. And every shot is, you know, there's more stakes there. It just like, like, like what numbers are you talking about here? Like, like I, it's different for every guy because of the level of fitness, um, you know, where like, and some of them are robots. Like I haven't, I would, I would love to know what Rory McIlroy's heart rate was like when he's standing over that final putt for $15 million at Eastlake. Like, that would be, that would be really cool. Um, but, you know, I've talked to Scott a bunch of times about it and a few other guys um, around the tour and, and basically like we're, he's a pretty fit dude. So, you know, more often than not, he's put somewhere between 11 and 14 in an 18 hole round. And that's if, you know, he's playing relatively fast. Like if he's, if he's, he was saying there's, you know, last season he finished, I think he had a number two finish. He shot 62 on, on Friday and then went out on Saturday and Sunday and was like, okay, I have a shot here. Um, and he finished second, but he had like a 17 strain on that Saturday. It was like 85 degrees. Um, you know, he's, he's thinking deep about everything. I think he played a four and a half hour round. Um, so it was a long day in the heat. Um, with so much emphasis on, on being good and being accurate. And, and just, you know, I think that that plays a huge role in the whole, the whole, the whole thing. So, I mean, the difference between an 11 and 14 strain and a, and a 17 is enormous as well. It's, it, it's the micro spikes. I don't know if you guys have ever done uh, like strain coach or the live heart rate as you're like, mm -hmm. even going up into the T box or doing a shot. It's like, you're, you're cool. You know, I'm at like, 60 beats per minute and then literally i press and the all ball, of a sudden 185 110 yeah. and then it's up at 170 and it's like what the hell so yeah it's <laughs> all these like mini spikes like over and over again and I'm, like you said the, the more pressure on the situation you're just going to be living at 100 instead of ever coming back down and that's that's like the part of this that's super interesting too is you know you, eric you're talking about some of the guys who can you know the military and you know maybe just can put themselves to sleep wherever they are a lot of the breathing technique that goes into this, you know, taking a golf shot, being able to kind of relax yourself and get into your normal motion so you don't rush your swing, um, you don't hit a putt too hard, that kind of stuff, that's all there. There's so much emphasis on being able to cool yourself down, relax. It's almost like being like a sniper in the military, you know, to be able to freeze yourself for a moment and chill out. That's like the equivalent on, on the PGA Tour is like what these guys can do to, you know, recreate a, a swing path, a point of contact on the ball. And to do it all like, you know, 70 times in an afternoon perfectly is without missing it. You have to have so much emphasis on focus and so much ability to cool yourself off and, and relax and do your, do your, you know, your, your shot the right way. Yeah. It, it's, it's funny. My, my feedback actually from wearing the whoop strap and playing golf is, is a little bit more general, but I was shocked at walking 18 holes, 
how strenuous that actually is. Like walking 18 holes is harder than riding my bike for 30 minutes and drenching with sweat and then lifting weights for 30 minutes. Like walking for four hours with a 20 pound bag is, it, it w was three times harder. And, and that really, I didn't understand. And I still don't entirely but I was just so shocked that like, wow, golf is really exhausting. And anyone who wants to give me shit for it, they can come look at my fuck, my app. You know what I mean? They can come see what it actually is. And I'm sure that I'm not alone in that. No, you're right. Uh, if I'm going to golf, I mean, my parents live in Florida now. And pretty much our main activity now is we have two courses in their neighborhood. And um, they've, they've uh, accommodated me because they move their tea time a little bit later so I can train in the morning uh, and still get like reasonable sleep because if I, when I play around, I'm done. Like it's over. Like there is no, <laughs> there's no, there's no more, more training, no matter how badly I want to do it. It's you're, like you said, you're in the sun, unless you're really thinking about the nutrition and you've, and you've really kind of loaded up, you're probably going to get a sub, a subpar form of nutrition. You're just going to be having water, gator, whatever trail mix you're never really whatever's on the cart right yeah um, or at the turn you're, you're just you're nibbling and you realize that like you're not even hitting your basal metabolic rate like you're you're i don't even know what that so is much. oh so it's a, a basal metabolic rate is effectively if you did nothing um how many calories you would burn to just be at homeostasis so yeah i find when we all go when most people play golf they're putting themselves at a caloric deficit uh especially because it's usually nice outside too. Um, and you're there for four hours and maybe you're That's having water and not yeah. eating any, not eating anything. Like maybe you have like some crackers, but like over there, that same normal stretch of time, if you weren't playing, uh, maybe you take in a thousand calories over that period. And really you took in like maybe 200. So, and that's if you're doing yeah. nothing, right? Basal metabolic rate is nothing. And if you're walking 18 holes for four hours, right? Like you think like a walking standard walking heart rate can be, you know, anywhere between 85 and 115, depending on, you know, the person and the conditions they're in, you add a 20 pound bag to that. You add a couple, you know, couple bad tee shots, frustrations are going to go through the roof. Your heart rate's going to drive up. That kind of stuff is, is all there. So if you think about doing that for four hours and kind of maintaining that up and down heart rate for, you know, above 85 and, you know, sometimes above 115, that's going to affect anybody in a certain, in a certain way. Right. And then, you know, you think about physically what you're doing, you're, you're on your feet, you're standing up, you're moving around. Um, you know, you're sometimes you're in a, in a weird position and you're putting a lot of emphasis on a swing. That's going to take some time at it. That's going to take something out of you. Um, especially if you're like me and you're taking 98 shots a day, like that's, that's a big deal that, that affects you. Yeah. That, that, that definitely was a surprise to me. I was not expecting to, see such a game that people really you know there's this debate over whether golf is a sport or not and I don't get too involved in that but I will say that after observing my strain score be the highest it's ever been and I go to the gym I run I, I cycle seeing it be the highest after one round of golf I said oh well I wasn't even in the debate room for this but I will I will um, throw down that this is under all circumstances of sport, which was pretty shocking for me. What what else have you guys seen in in golf or with golfers that has been surprising or enlightening? Is is there anything else that's kind of come up through through looking at golf from this standpoint of you know recovery and uh, strain? 
I think Mike and I can both agree on this. Um, the, the travel component of professional golf is unlike any other sport where you're going 40 weeks a year, you're on the road, you know, all over the country and then even, you know, sometimes all over the world. And that alone is, is makes things incredibly difficult to, you know, try and attempt to plan a training program. You know, how can you get fitter throughout a golf season when you know, the travel is just so impactful on your body? Uh, it takes so much out of you. And especially like, you know, guys would do red eye flights on Sunday night to go from, you know, Scottsdale to, to Jacksonville, that kind of thing is just like, it's brutal on your body when you jump time zones like that. And to, you know, add in the fact that you're trying to get fitter or whatever it might be and trying to take care of your body and nurse injuries or, you know, just continue to, you know, do some like maintenance work on your body like that, trying to program workouts and training exercises and, you know, factor in the practice rounds, know how many shots you need to take on the course. That's one of the things that, you know, Rory McIlroy actually said on our podcast was he's trying to be the most efficient guy he can, you know, people will knock him every now and then for not being at the course for 10 hours in a day, uh, you know, hitting balls in the range or whatever it is. That's because he's trying to do every single thing he can to regenerate his body, you know? So like being able to understand what impacts you and, you know, how things like travel are going to affect you, how you can train, and then still be ready for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I think is a really interesting thing. So the travel piece to me is like, you know, nothing has ever shined light on how much that actually takes on how much stress that puts people, you know, puts people under uh, until, you know, we've been able to kind of quantify it. I've, uh, I've, I haven't really had the chance to travel too much with the strap yet. <clears throat> I've been, I've been kind of looking forward to it, but also a bit nervous about it because, you know, I, the, the, my scores are now my kind of art, right? Like, like I, 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 I get really down when I don't have a good recovery score or I, or I, you know, I, I, I use them to sort of, you know, grade my activity, my, my, you know, whatever it is. And I've been a bit worried because I spend so much time on the road and, you know, we're, like you said, jumping time zones is difficult. We've all known that I have techniques. Um, and then we have early mornings, late nights. We want to, you know, we have to get things together f early flight. The, the crazy travel schedule. I am actually worried about wearing the strap on those jobs because I'm worried that I will, first of all, I'll just obsess over being at 12% recovery or something horrendous. And I will strive for something that's relatively impossible. Like, 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 am I going to get into the 80%? Maybe. And maybe that's a matter of what you were talking about earlier is like drink a lot of water, maybe don't eat a ton of protein on a travel day. Um, meditate before I go to sleep. Those things are all things that I can do. What, have you seen, you know, nuts and bolts, what people have done to take care of their, body while traveling and using the strap? I mean, yeah, there's, there's different things. I mean, everybody has their own kind of different approach to the whole thing. The biggest one, I think it you know, like, like you're talking about, like water, obviously very important. And, you know, when you're jumping time zones and sitting on a plane, uh, you know, some people just fast right through, you know, like I've, I've seen guys do, you know, 24 hour to 36 hour fasts during times that they have to travel. Um, you know, again, personal preference, not, not something I personally would want to do. Um, but if it works for them, it works for them. And if there's data to back it up, that's, that's, you know, that's value. Um, and I, I think as you get further and further down the road into some of these you know, rabbit holes, people can go into, there's different supplements people try to take, uh, different foods that people try to eat. You know, there's, it's all connected in one way or another. Um, I think, you know, some of the more unique things that we've seen, I, the main one I've always run into is, is when people are actually going to put in heavier training days. You know, like if you have, 
you know, a six hour flight that you're going to take on Monday morning, knowing what your body can handle for Tuesday, you know, just based on past data or knowing what you can handle on Wednesday before going out, you know, on Thursday. That's the kind of stuff that I think has been most impactful for people overall is really the, the scheduling of, of training programs. Knowing what people need to do to get their body back to 100% for Tuesday if you travel Monday. So that way Wednesday through Sunday is actually effective and not just kind of like, a oh, well, you know, we were beat up early in the weekend when we overdid it. Now we sucked on, you know, the whole weekend. That's the kind of thing that, you know, people are trying to avoid more than anything else. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, um, you know, the only time I really get sick throughout the year is when I lose sleep and, and then get on a plane go through an airport, get on a plane, and I'm also sleep deprived. So I am actually really excited about setting up a like a new record for not, um, you know, getting any sort of cold or anything like that based on really focusing on sleep uh, banking. And, and actually, that's that's my final question is, it seems that the whoop strap would tell me that sleep is cumulative. True or false? I've always wanted it to be true, but I feel like it's not. Any thoughts? Yeah, it's not cumulative. It's not a bank. <laughs> hey, I didn't um, want to be the bearer of bad news. It's 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 a reverse bank in terms of um, when you don't get enough, that accumulates like a bank. Um, oh. That's where the sleep debt's coming from. And the way you can get, get rid of it is if you can kind of sneak in some apps uh, or making sure that you're, you're getting 100% of your sleep need. Um, you know, if you do have really tough travel days, uh, you can everybody can probably have like one day where they get pretty subpar sleep, let's say in the four to five hour range, as long as the rest of that pattern behavior is, is pretty solid. Like if you're pretty close to hundred percent sleep need, and then that, that travel day is bad. This is usually me. Um, and I know Kristen as well, our VP of performance, like you got to really make sure that everything leading up to, and then immediately on upon arrival of any sort of travel is like refined. So like, if it's possible that it's for golfers, it's not possible, but like if you can stay on the same time zone, even though you're in a different one, like that's pretty unrealistic for a professional golfer. Um, you know, it works more with, uh, you know, college athletes where maybe competitions, it, it works out that they can just stay on like say East coast time the entire time when they take a West coast trip, like their heart rate variability is going to be pretty much the same, you know, how you control your room temperature, um, you know, the winding down process, if, the more you can recreate what you do at home and then it's not really a different pattern, um, is helpful. Great point. That's really interesting. Um, I like that. And I also like the idea that sleep is negatively cumulative. That's a very valid point. Um, you mentioned something, six hours is really the threshold where shit starts to come undone for everything. <laughs> All right. Sickness, sickness, uh, you know, uh, soft tissue injury. Uh, that's when your joints start to kind of get a little loosey goosey elbow, shoulder, ankle, knee, all that stuff. You might just take a step and something bad happens. The more that you're below that six hour threshold, same thing with sickness. Uh, it's like it's six hours versus like nine hours of sleep. You're like 300% more likely to get a cold. Um, it, it is you know. literally, that's how you get sick. I didn't realize, I thought that was just me, me. No, no, no you're, you're dead on. <laughs> sleep resets a lot of things. So, so the I, only period. Yeah, go ahead. Um, oh, I was, no, no, go ahead. What were you going to say? Jay? I was going to say sleep is the only time where your body naturally regenerates itself. You know, the, the, the whole time you're awake, you're, you're basically beating yourself up. It, it could be in a pot. You could be putting positive stress on yourself, but there's no other time where your body naturally regenerates itself. 
and you know, you're releasing the growth hormone in your slow wave sleep. Your brain gets a chance to relax and to rest during REM sleep. Like all of these things that your body does to, it's like, it's literally like plugging yourself into a wall and recharging. And you, know, you could approach a day with 40% battery and you'd still get to the day, you know, but you're not going to be able to get to the next day without charging up again, right? So the less that you give your, your body, less time you give your body to regenerate itself, the more room for other things to come in and break you down you create. I love the idea of charging it like like a like something like a car, you know what I mean? Like I love that. Um so Mike, you were just saying um uh sleep need versus recovery. I'm at 89% recovery. Tell me about just last last point here, last question is what do I what do I do with sleep need? So you can actually click in sleep need, right? So okay, if you go over to the sleep performance screen, yep. it'll say you'll get your sleep performance there, and it'll say hours of sleep and sleep need. So you can actually click on sleep need, and the way we're calculating sleep need is we're taking your your real average for the last thirty days of how much sleep you're actually getting, then we're adding time based off of how right. No, that's sleep coach. Oh, okay, not sleep coach. Okay, so so go all the way over to the sleep performance screen. Like so swipe left a few times. EAL and then swipe left. Okay, I'm in Oh, swipe. And then you should end up with the sleep performance screen. Yes. Where it says yes. Of sleep and sleep need. Yeah, so click on sleep needed. And again, it will we we're starting with your your 30-day baseline of actual sleep. We're adding time based off of how hard your days were and and your day strain. If you don't get 100% of your sleep need, there's time added, and that's where you're going to see in sleep debt. If you are getting 100% of your sleep need, you're not going to see any additional. Um, but if you're not getting 100%, it's going to start going up and up and up and up. And then time is subtracted from the sleep need based off of naps. So, so, so this, is, this is giving you 100% of your sleep need. Now, when you go into sleep coach, which you were just in, you can select uh, get by, perform, and peak. And what that's doing is it's taking get by 70% of this 100% sleep need, uh, perform is 85% and peak is 100%. So mine says, I've never seen this screen, first of all. It says you had below average sleep need, you should have taken advantage. And it says 735 total sleep needed. What does that mean? That's basically saying this is the lowest, you know, your sleep need is going to be. You should get full, you know, take full advantage of getting yeah. that. So I'm doing good. Yeah, I mean, because there are people who, you know, are chronic undersleepers. You know, like the guys who will say, all right, my sleep needs 735. I'll get 645. It's close enough, you know. And then sleep debt just piles up on them. So by the end of the week, by the time Saturday rolls around, they need 11 and a half hours of sleep that night. You know, like that's the kind of thing that you can avoid. And, you know, that's what really what our sleep coach is trying to help you. Right. Um. Okay, guys, I just I could go on a million questions, but I really I think I think we got enough for now. I really appreciate your time. Um, I'm I'm totally pumped by this, and I'm sorry with the um, logistical complications with the with this morning for me. I'm sorry about that, but um, I'm, I'm I'm really excited about the product. I'm really excited about telling people about it. I'm really excited to learn more about it, especially as we you know are able to travel, and you know I'd love to see where you guys are at and meet. And, and shake hands that'd be great <laughs> hopefully yeah yeah we'll get there awesome well um do you guys have any questions for me or anything or any last things you wanted to add i mean yeah let us know if you have any other questions at all
Like if okay. you, if something comes up, like, um, you know, we'll make sure we're all connected in, in an easy way. And I think if something does pop up, or you just have a question at all or a thought even, let us know. Like we're more than happy to, to help kind of break this stuff down and just support you in whatever way we can. Cool. Awesome. Thanks so much, guys. Have a great afternoon. You too. All right. Bye. Thanks.